What's up, guys? It's the Audio Rambling Podcast with me, Vish, and Mark is also here as always. Hello. Hello, Mark. And it's another special live one in inverted comments. We're yes, both in the same is. room. Um, so, again, we have the, the wonderful advantage of, of having to sort of not deal with internet lag anymore, which is nice. Yeah, it definitely is. And this is going to be all dedicated to post-NAM. So the last podcast was pre-NAM. We're a little bit late on it, but we there was so much that we saw from NAM. From <laughs> we a, promised you a post-NAM episode and we're damn well going to give you one. Exactly. And th- there's a lot we saw, even though we both weren't there, but you know, through the wonderful powers of internet, social media and everything else, um, I got a pretty good experience of like almost being there without having actually being there. Yeah, all the, the sort of music news or audio news. Um, websites went bonkers. Um, the, uh, the Anderton's team in particular looked knackered by the end of it. Oh, God, yeah. Their videos were just sort of getting progressively awesome as they talked to everybody for days. Um, <laughs> but no, it, was, it, it seemed like a good show. And the added benefit of not being there, even though I much rather would be there, didn't end up suffering from the Namthrax. <laughs> and also still have money in our wallets that wouldn't be there if we'd been to NAM. <laughs> that's true, that's true, let alone just like trying to get out all the way to LA. So let's, this is all going to be about NAM, so let's just start off, Mark. There's, there was so much that went on. What okay. were you looking? I'm going to go just straight in with um, my sort of like star of the show, the one that sort of impressed, intrigued me the most, um, and that was uh, Friends of the Show, Game Changer Audio. I say Ooh. friends of the show. We uh, when we went to the London Guitar Show last year, we met them, lovely chaps, and actually they were one of the most interesting things that we saw at that show. Um, their product range, well, included the uh, the the plasma overdrive pedal. Yeah, which um, is cool. Yeah, which we talked about on the show before. Which rather than using a, a diode or a chip or whatever to give you distortion, uses a sort of arc of plasma and creates this incredibly sort of gnarly sound. Um, at the show we went to, they had a sort of prototype of a rack-mounted version, yeah. which they've now officially released as of this NAM, as well as a version that's compatible with Eurorack synthesizers. So oh, sweet. The, in the, the modular synthesizer world can get their hands on this lunacy as well. Plus, and this is where it gets sort of really interesting, is they've they brought their prototypes for their next wave of products. Um, and this is um, a new synthesizer and synthesizer guitar pedal. Um, so both of them work on the same principle, and that principle is that the sounds are generated with motors. Oh. Um, and so there is... Um, each motor has a little electromagnetic pickup, a bit like a guitar, mm-hmm. and a little optical pickup. And by spinning the motors at different speeds, those pickups um, pick up the sound. Oh wow! Um, and so they've they've built this as a, um, a synthesizer and a, and a polysynth. So it's not just a sort of one note thing. They they have put so many motors in this, and that whole row across the top. Is, is filled with all these little motors. Um, so you can play multiple notes, and you yeah, it's got like control over how they work and all that. And as I say, there's also a guitar version um, which uses the notes from your guitar to, to change the speed of the motors and therefore change the sound which is produced. So you're sort of like playing the synthesizer with the guitar. And it's just 
bonkers. It's a it's a really cool sound, um, sort of very gnarly again in a similar sort of vein to the the plasma overdrive. Um, although actually the optical one is a lot smoother, a bit more sort of like classic synth tones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just you know they they really sort of set themselves a high bar when they called themselves Game Changer Audio. <laughs> yeah. And they've continued to live up to it. I, I think they're great. They're definitely doing stuff that's like way outside the box. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just looking at a photo of this. If if any of you guys get the chance, just Google it. And this this audio motor piano just looks absolutely insane. It's it looks like an absolute massive unit, and there's just looks like so many like you know pots that you want to twiddle or so much. So just there's just so much stuff there, and it's gonna sound like unique as well. Uh, yeah, it looks crazy, and yeah, you're right. They they they're living up to their name. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they're definitely changing the game, and they're doing stuff that no one else is doing. Um, and it it's crazy, and like they're kind of like trying to break new ground in ways that I'd probably not many other companies were at Nam that I know of anyway. Yeah, I mean that was certainly the most out there thing yeah. that I saw. You know, there's a lot of cool things as we'll talk about. Yeah, but that was just. I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing, sort of thing. So, yeah. does does this have any funky visuals like the the pedal that that we tried? You know, obviously it's got the whole plasma thing. Going. Um, yeah. So, so with using these unique methods, yeah, with the plasma pedal, they like properly showcase that by letting you see this bolt of plasma dancing with the music. And similarly, it's got the 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 sort of see-through top um, and there's a picture I'm showing Vishal a picture of the um, the pedal version which again has got a see-through top so you can see the motors spinning inside and then obviously as you play at different speeds it'll change but it's, uh, because it's a, a physical motor it's going to have an effect on the way it responds as well you can't go straight from one note to another it's got to have that time of spinning up or spinning down um, to change the speed so you're, yeah you're, I didn't think of that it's yeah you, you're inherently getting a character just from the, the sort of physical limitations of, of how they're generating the sound. That's so cool. Yeah, I, di I didn't think of that. Yeah, the possibilities are, are crazy. Yeah. No, def definitely. This this looks super cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, I'll chat about what one of my things that I really, really kind of, um, you know, with Nam that really stood out for me. Um, and it's, pr it's not as out there. <laughs> um, but um, Strandberg finally showcased and unveiled their four-string and five-string Bowden bass guitars. Um, now, these have been, I think, in the pipeline for a long while, and they've been under development for a long time. They've been, they're known for, if you, if you know anything about Strandberg, they're known for their headless guitars, mm -hmm. um, and their six- and seven-string guitars, and I think they even do eight-string as well are extremely popular especially in like the prog jazzy yeah. prog world you know people love playing them um and like their f most famous artists are probably uh Per Nilsson from uh, Scar Symmetry they've got Pliny they've got loads of other people on board as well and they finally released um their bass guitar which looks I think looks absolutely amazing it's a head they've got a headless four string and a headless five string it just I love it. It's got the natural wood finish. I just love the shape of this thing. It also from all the videos I've seen when people play Strandberg guitars, it, they just look like they're super easy to play and they're just made to play like you know you, to just go all over the fretboard and really fast. So it looks awesome. They 
so with the four string and the five string they've got like two different versions so they've got the original four string and the original five string which just come uh, which come with Nordstrand um, uh, pickups and uh, also a Nordstrand three band preamp then they've got the prog versions of both of course <laughs> of course <laughs> what would you expect and this obviously this is going to pique my interest it's got the dark glass tone capsule preamp much like my ding wall has okay yeah so I've heard what the prog five string sounds like because um, Pliny's bassist Simon Grove is someone I've really gotten into his playing and just the tones he dials up um, has been playing one of these uh, recently and uh, when I saw Pliny live he was playing I'm pretty sure he was playing it because he got he got given one fairly early on and I think he was involved with some of the development or whatever it was and yeah, this thing just it, the the prog does sound absolutely awesome with obviously with that tone capsule preamp and the Nordstrand like humbucker pickups just sound really chunky and they mm. and they they're really versatile uh, and what you can do and it's got great range of tone on it from what I've heard when people have played it I would love to try one out they are not cheap they come in at, they come in at nearly three thousand pounds so yeah it's one that I would definitely like to like to play but they they seem to be like very popular um when they unveiled them on instagram a lot of people were actually asking for six string versions of it so they i'm sure that's going to happen loads of people were like if this comes out in six string i'm definitely going to buy it for me personally i would just go with a five string if i was going to get one um and maybe the prog one but i mean that this is just all a like you know just a what if kind of thing but i just I, there's something about the aesthetics of um off the Strandberg guitars and the the bass and the shape of it that I just really love. And they look like they're really comfortable because the bodies, it looks like it's contoured to, to sit on your lap. So, you know, yeah. like normally if you've, you know, you play like at an angle, usually in between your legs is the best way you want to play. And it's just got that curvature on it. Um, you know, it just, I, for me personally, it looks amazing. And it's, it's kind of interesting because I'd never really been into like headless basses before. I think we've mentioned this before. Yeah, no, we we have said before that like neither of us sort of naturally gravitate towards headless instruments after being so familiar with the way a guitar is supposed to look. Um, <laughs> that, but Strandberg are a company that do consistently make headless guitars that look great. Yeah, um, and they've they've just got a really sort of modern aesthetic that just works. Um, yeah, I think it's also like the finishes as well, which which really do it, and their colours and everything. Um, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, we're both suckers for um, sort of natural wood finishes on guitars. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and they do long. use a lot of those, and they look great. Yeah, because when we first started getting into music and stuff, like the headless guitars and basses that were out there looked absolutely like something out of like retro 80s kind of stuff yeah you know they, I, i've forgotten what brand they are but they're the ones that you have that have like the really just a slim neck um and then just this like kind of rectangular body that kind of opens I've up i've got some of those as well yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and they just i'm just i was just like no, no. um also uh, you know this comes with the multi-scale fan frets as well which is something that i've gotten like quite used to playing now and it's something that i think i just really like on on the bass so yeah for me uh, yeah Strandberg was definitely like one of the key, it was something that I was looking forward to in the build up for it and I'd been trying to google for ages and I couldn't find anything on it because yeah. it was just very minimal and yeah it uh, it looks awesome I definitely want to try one out at some point yeah no that's very cool um, what else have I got 
let's uh, go Let's go with. Oh, this one. Did you see this one? Um, so Waves un unveiled the uh, CLA Mix Hub. So as uh, Crystal Dalgi, who's done lots of stuff with plugin developers, um, he's had several sort of like signature plugins over the years. Um, but they've released a, a new set of or plugins that sort of group plugins in different ways to try and create a different workflow. Have you, have you seen? I've heard about this, but I haven't seen anything on it. Um, I, I heard it being mentioned in some in a couple of forums, but I didn't really look too much into it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm intrigued. So it's, uh, from what I gather, it's sort of like you can have like all the compressors on one screen, okay. all, all the different um, sort of tracks and all the, the EQs, whatever, so you can sort of approach things in a, in a different way. And it's, um, it's not something I could sort of see myself ever using, which I think why we neither of us really sort of like looked into it in more detail, but it's just sort of like fascinating to see plugins used in a, a way that is about the workflow rather than about the, the, the tone. And um, it's something that when you've got the um, sort of resources and the, the library that Waves have yeah. all your different plugins, you can start thinking about it a bit differently. And I thought it was quite an interesting. Yeah, I mean, CLA's name is like Crystal Algae's name is like probably one of the biggest names out there at the moment. He's you know the amount of plugins and like products that his name is on yeah. now at the moment is is insane. Like both on, I think Waves, Slate, every other like plugin company, he's, he's got like you know endorsed by so many of them, and he is top of the game. You know, um, and plus, I mean. He's, you know, he's his other claim to fame, I guess, is if you if you do follow him on social media, is he always manages to make board first on every single flight that he goes on. <laughs> and Chris Lord Algae goes on a lot of flights. He keeps posting on his Instagram photos of him getting first on the plane, and I think he's done it something like eighty five times in a row at last count. There's just his Instagram is just him posting every time with his thumbs up, and he's first on again. You know, <laughs> so that's our NAM twenty twenty prediction. Waves releasing the uh, CLA uh, boarding pass <laughs> VST, um, so that you too can get on the planes first. Except for the one that CLA is on. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else you got, Vish? So, um, let's uh, let's 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 keep it base. You know, why not be just totally kind of uh, biased towards the instrument that I play. Um, so, uh, Dark Glass, you know, God knows, mentioned them, like, I end up mentioning them nearly every episode. And it's not like I'm, we're sponsored by them or anything, but hey, <laughs> Dark Glass, if you're listening, I don't mind. Um, <laughs> but it's just, they are really, they're doing a lot at the moment. They're one of the, they're, well, not even up and coming anymore. They're just doing so much within the world of bass right and, now. And this particular news story is very sort of like tailored to your interests. Yeah. So the Dark Glass were teasing in the run up to it. Doug, who owns Dark Glass, um, was teasing a lot on social media that you know we are got some stuff in the pipeline, and a lot of people were speculating there's going to be some amps, and people were hoping for an Alpha Omega uh, amp, which is based on the Alpha Omega pedal and the Alpha Omega Ultra pedal, and we're hoping for another amp. And uh, yeah, um, Dark Glass did not disappoint. So just before Nam. 
they released, uh, or I think literally on their f very first day, they announced the Alpha Omega 900, which is basically their amp head. And within it, it's got the Alpha, Alpha Omega pedal, basically the Alpha Omega Ultra pedal sits within basically uh, amp head format. And this thing looks amazing. It's got everything that the Alpha Omega Ultra has got, which I think we talked about in one of our very first episodes of the podcast. But it also comes with a built-in compressor as well. Um, it's got the it's got the uh, six-band EQ in there, um, and you've also got um, cab simulation as well. So you know, if you want to play with headphones or whatever, you know, you you can do that. And it looks absolutely amazing. Um, if I didn't, if I hadn't have got the Alpha Omega Ultra, I would probably be like lusting after this thing. You know. Um, probably don't need it for my needs but for like a gigging like you know basing someone who's got like you know wants that bigger setup definitely this thing is going to sound absolutely amazing because i have the alpha omega ultra pedal and the amount of options that you can get yeah. tonally is crazy you know we can do like that between like switching between the alpha and the omega distortion which you can do on this on this uh, on this um amp as well and um, it's got like the passive and active switch in there. It just it's gonna sound absolutely amazing and give you that like really dark kind of drive that dark glass can do um, and really cut through as well. And then the other amp that they announced, which was an update on the Microtubes 900. So this is the Microtubes 900 version two. So the 900 came out just over three years ago. And it was one of their very first amps they released. And this is now um, updated. So it's got um, an improved um, equalizer and a studio grade uh, compression as well. And an impulse response cabinet emulation as well. Just like uh, the Dark Alpha Omega 900 has as well. And MIDI control as well. So it's it's, it's just updated. It's, 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 got the, it's got a bit more options in terms of, uh, you know, circuitry and what it can do. And it's going to... Again, I've played on the, I think the 500, um, and that thing sounds absolutely amazing. Um, for me personally, the only reason I haven't gone down the dark glass amp route is because I've got a pedal. <laughs> I've got yeah. the bass that's got it. I don't want to just go all dark glass all the time. But, I mean, hey, if like I said, if Doug, <laughs> Doug, if you're listening, yes, send me over the amp. I'll definitely, you know, do, do some videos for you or something. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think it's... Um really interesting to see how they do these different variations on their different circuits. Yeah. So both the Alpha Omega and the Microtubes, as well as having these new amps, have got the pedals and the ultra versions of the pedals, which are the, the more sort of fully featured ones, as well as obviously like the um, digital simulations and all that sort of stuff. But that they've sort of gotten these broad tone palettes because you know the Alpha Omega pedal that you have, it does a lot. Yeah. Um, it's 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 got a lot of options just from the yeah that character between the Alpha and Omega versions and and the EQ and all you know it does a lot. Um, so to that they have these in their their different formats is a really sort of smart use of of their circuits and, and yeah for you. Um, the the pedal gives you all the recording options you need. It gives you the portability you need, and then it gives you the option of having a sort of different amplifier to sort of work with. Yeah, 
But if you want the amplifier, they'll sell you that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll really be intrigued because one of um, Dark Glass's most popular pedals at the moment is their X7 compressor pedal. Right. Which a lot of people are, have, um, when I've seen videos of it, it, it's really, really nice the way it like helps to make the highs come through and the lows and mm -hmm. it, the way it can really adjust the different frequency ranges. So I'd be intrigued to see how that would sound with on a pedal board with the Alpha Omega 900, you know, and how people would use that. That that would be amazing. So yeah, Dark Glass didn't disappoint, you know. Um, yeah, they, they, they're a company that's really on the up at the moment. And th there was clearly a niche in the bass market that maybe for a while a lot of bassists didn't know, um, you know, and maybe especially like people just coming up in the last 15, 20 years. And Dark Glass have suddenly realised this, and people now realise that they wanted this. Yeah. They need this tone in their life. You know, um, I, th I mean, you remember when I spent many an hour like trying to research about nice bass distortions, and we we looked at videos for loads of different kinds of pedals and things, and, and that never managed to find one that was quite right. You know, it went through a long. No, the bass pedals are often seem like an afterthought. That sort of yeah. When a company gets to a certain size, oh, they stick out a bass pedal, and and it was often that sort of, you know the the six string guitarists had more options, and obviously you can use your bass through a six string pedal, but it's not necessarily set up the right way. And and Dark Glass are a company that sort of you know as a as a six string guitarist, I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> They're really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like wandering around Denmark Street the other day, and yeah, that dark glass compressor was just sort of sat there in one of the cabinets and just being like oh look at me yeah and it's just yeah no they're they're, they're very cool pedals and some guitarists have started using some of their like compressor pedals and whatnot as well you know yeah exactly so yeah dark glass you know they they definitely um did not disappoint so what's next on your list okay let's go for some uh more pedal news um let's start off with um something basic uh, for its 40th anniversary Ibanez have given the Tube Screamer <laughs> a, nice, a nice red colour oh wow, um, sparkly red yeah, um, and you know, it's in terms of like the audio tech, this is not an interesting piece of news, exactly the same Tube Screamer but considering it's it's that iconic green, it's just quite fun seeing it in, in a sort of sparkly red. Um, that's just going to like catch attention if that's on your pedal board. The sparkly red looks fun, but it looks so wrong on a tube screamer. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, your your mind is just ingrained with if it's tube screamer, it's got to be that green. Yeah, you know, not this sparkly kind of. It looks like. Uh, one of those, like, you know, entertainers in the 70s or 80s <laughs> that used to go around, like, you know, when you used to have those uh, uh, all over the country, they used to tour and do entertainment shows on a Saturday night or whatever. It looks like that. <laughs> that is the sort of sparkle, yeah, all those... Um, 70s those, glam. Those, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, okay. There's slightly more um, in terms of other uh, pedal news. Uh, is that Rob Chapman, um, who's sort of well-known YouTuber and sort of went from there into um, forming a very successful guitar brand, Chapman Guitars, has now moved into the, the pedal market as well. Mm. Um, I did see this. Yeah, called Snake Oil, uh, Fine Instruments is the new pedal they brand. They look super cool. Um, I love the designs. Yeah, I mean, the pedals themselves are um, a... A boost and a, a distortion, 
um, in the sort of, yeah, £149. So that's sort of not entry level, um, but not quite the sort of uh, rarefied boutique, sort of, you know, nice pedals. Um, and they've, they've got uh, this sort of, I think, acid etched. Is that the, what is the cover? But it's, it's the sort of metal covers that are, have got sort of raised lettering. So they, they look great, but I think it's I'm more it's more of an interesting development because of Chapman's yeah. position, you know, having that very close relationship with Anderson, who are obviously a massive distributor and, and one of the big shops, and that YouTube presence. So him launching a new pedal company is just inherently one to keep an eye on. Definitely. I... I do like the look of these pedals and like just the company Snake Oil. It's got like a, a slightly kind of um, steampunky slash mm. Wild West vibe yeah. to it, which looks super cool. And I like the whole name of like Snake Oil as well, because, you know, like Snake Oil Salesman, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, the th- this is like the pedal you need or this is the brand of pedal, you know, this is like... The one that you know we're peddling, <laughs> yeah. It will be really interesting um, to see, and I, I kind of like when Rob Chapman did announce it. It felt it was like okay, I, I guess this is natural place for him to go next. Yeah, because Chapman guitars has become very well established. They're like onto version two, version three of guitars. They've got loads of like people playing signature models, and like they've built up their like you know artists and everything so yeah it it looks cool it'll be intriguing to see how they sound um i'm sure we're gonna get a fair few videos from rob um rabia and obviously all the andertons guys as well um and i'm intrigued to see how these turn out and how they'll how they'll sound and if they're going to do any uh, anything kind of you know um bit left of center or not so yeah it's a wait and see one yeah because the the chapman guitars are they're not sort of like wildly innovative but they are very much responding to sort of like what guitarists want and they're they're very sort of like neatly placed in the market in where there was just like that that there was a bit of a gap in the market and he's he's found that and is is working in there is yeah um in terms of like you know pricing features you know the what's on offer all that sort of thing um, whereas the the pedal market, I'm I've yet to see that this is necessarily moving into a space in the same way. Yeah, especially with a, a sort of boost and a distortion. Yeah, um, but as I say, it's one to watch. Yeah, and you know, one thing you you'll know about it is it will be the the pedals will be something that Rob ideally wants first and foremost for himself. You know, he designs this and just like kind of like, what do I want? And then that's what he did with Chapman guitars. And yep. lo and behold, so it'll be int- intriguing to see because this, I guess, in theory, this would be the the pedal of his dreams. And so you know, um, hopefully uh, there'll be some shootouts where there because there are so many pedals out there when it comes to boosts and like yeah. distortions. You know, you've got so many options; it's crazy. So yeah, definitely a wait and see on that one. Mm. All right, uh, what's your next? So, duh, duh, duh. there we go. I'll move away from base. Let's talk MIDI. Okay, mm. so, yeah, okay. So, um, now, uh, away from base, yeah, um, as much as my timelines were all filled up with base, base, 
lots of bass. Um, one of the things that is intriguing, and it's been in discussion for a long time around, so it's not like brand new, but I think we got one step closer towards it, was that uh, MIDI 2.0 prototyping has now been announced. I think that for some, for a long time, people knew that MIDI 2.0 is going to happen at some point. And, you know, people have mentioned it for probably the last good five, six years, but no one's ever been able yeah. to put like a finger on it. It's just like this will happen at some point in the future because it just has to because technology is evolving. So at NAM, it was announced that it's now being prototyped and it's going to be prototyped throughout 2019. And that's quite a huge thing because it means they've got all the protocols and everything now in place to start running tests. And it's not just a few companies, it's like everyone across like the audio industry getting involved in this because it is a massive kind of deal. You know, this is gonna like potentially change the face of the way people like, you know, use the MIDI instruments, the like what happens inside your DAW, a, a whole range of things. Now, MIDI has been going what since the early early to mid eighties, mm. so well over thirty years. In fact, I think MIDI's a couple of years older than me, and it's crazy that one of the amazing things about it is how it stood the test of time. I mean, you you think of like what music technology was back in nineteen eighty three compared to twenty nineteen, and our the processing power that you can use now to do things. And all the options you have. And yet MIDI has still stood the test of time. And people are still able to use it absolutely fine. And there aren't too many limitations to it. You know. Well, I mean, okay. So a couple of things. First of all, um, yeah, no, this is like a very interesting development. And there was one of the interesting news stories last year that I can't remember if we actually got around to talking about. I think it might have popped up between shows. Um, was the announcement of a MIDI standard for quarter-inch jacks. Oh, yeah. That a lot of um, smaller synthesizers had started using quarter-inch jacks to send MIDI signals, but because they were from different companies, they weren't quite doing it in the same way. So a sort of standard had been announced for that. So that they're moving forward with a, a sort of full revamp of MIDI is, is very interesting. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily true to say that MIDI doesn't have limitations. I think it's... I, I was I read a quote the other day that was talking about how much modern music has been defined by the mi limitations of MIDI. Mm. Um and that especially in terms of like electronic music, the earlier types of synthesizers were very sort of wild, unpredictable things that, you know, didn't necessarily work on a, a normal scale or and, you know, getting them to do timings could be all over the place. Whereas MIDI works very well on sort of, you know, the particularly well on the Western scale, and you, you can sort of use other scales, but it's that sort of is very much the default. It works very well on the sort of timed grid, and you look at modern music, and it's definitely um, much more fixed to that metronomic grid yeah. than sort of uh, earlier recorded music was, and, you know, presumably music before the invention of recording. So, you know, MIDI does have its limitations, but they're limitations that have come to, to define music as it is so it's it's a hugely important thing this is like the the highest peak of of nerdery and yet the the implications for music you know 
we won't notice any difference, but necessarily, but like looking back on it historically, this is going to be a, an important thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, I would definitely recommend if you want to find out the whole ins and outs of it. It's explained really well in Adam Neely's latest, uh, well, one of his um, videos he did while he was at NAM. He explains the whole thing behind it, and also one of the things he discussed, uh, which could be interesting for MIDI is uh, obviously with MIDI at the moment it's um, uh, there's basically 127 different options yeah. you can have so what is that two is it two to the whatever it is to two to the power of whatever my maths uh, I don't know but with MIDI 2.0 that's going to go up significantly uh, and obviously processing power comes into it so that's going to be like how is that going to change like you know you're going to be able to do especially when you like say play a midi keyboard and stuff more sensitivity more options in terms of mm -hmm. what you get that's going to be like really amazing to see and one of the other things which is just a kind of practical point of view i mean it's good, the reason why it's going to take a while as well is they need to make sure it's all backwards compatible as well and it's going to have to be phased yeah, no. you can't fa you can't just bring it in overnight it's going to have to be phased throughout so this is why this is a massive project like everyone's getting involved it's kind of because when MIDI started, it was just a way to, it was something that was just needed by a few people and they realized it worked so well that it just became eventually over time an industry kind of standard, Yeah, you know, um, and it's worked, it's, it served really well. It's now time for the next like evolution of it. It's going to be amazing. That's why they have to get all these companies involved with it. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this isn't going to be released overnight. No. It's going to be, I still envisage it being at least two years away they're, they're probably going to they're prototyping they're going to have to do some beta testing it's going to be all sorts going on before we get to it you know and plus it'll be and you know it'll be interesting to see what kind of connection what the new midi connections will yeah. be and how it'll work yeah no definitely i think it's uh... so yeah that that's that's one of those um like big gate like i guess like one of those big uh, kind of things that could just change the face of everything in terms of music kind of thing that that was that was interesting to me i'd definitely recommend go check out adam neely's video because he's probably put it way more succinctly than i ever could so what you got next mark all right so let's like while we're talking about um sort of electronic instruments and stuff let's uh um so arturia um a, a company that uh, started in the world of virtual instruments, yep. um, all the sort of digital synthesis stuff, and in recent years have made quite a big impact with in the sort of analog synth revival with their um, mini brute and their, you know, all, the, all that sort of stuff. Um, and they've uh, started a new range, the, uh, the Freak range, they released the Micro Freak, which is a sort of combination of the digital and analog, it's a sort of hybrid, so it's got a, um, digital oscillator uh, which can have a whole range of sounds and then those sounds can be shaped with a uh, analog filter which is actually probably the right way around to do it if you're going to have one digital and one analog um, but also what makes it stand out is the they are sort of really like leaning into this sort of freak idea of, of weirdness rather than having keys that you press it's got a sort of sensitive pads in the shape of a, a keyboard oh wow but you it's oh, so those aren't keys uh, like we're looking at a picture right now so those it, they're pads yeah it's um 
I can't remember what they called it, sort of capacitive pads or whatever, but yeah, basically, and it, it's apparently it's more sensitive to things like pressure, um, so if you want to sort of like modulate notes with how hard you're pressing down afterwards, it's apparently sort of very sensitive and very good for that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's just sort of like fun products and it's interesting. Is, is it kind of taking a bit, because it's got the touch kind of mm. sensitivity, it's kind of taking that half idea from Roly, the guys who've got the, is, is it called the Seaboard or? Yeah. yeah. Which has the, which is one of the first ones that came out. But whereas this looks, um, that's got, it's got like the ridges, hasn't yeah. it? It's got like the peaks and the troughs, like little valleys and kind of thing. And it's kind of got a rug, rubbery kind of texture to it. So it's very kind of like, feels like pliable almost yeah. kind of thing, you know, so you can really kind of get into it. Um, so this must like take on some of that in some way. Yeah, and as and talking about sort of like the limitations of the instrument, the fact that, um, you know, virtual instruments and synths and all that stuff have been largely based around a keyboard mechanism yeah. imposes certain limitations. So, you know, the, the keyboard doesn't have the same expressive capabilities as some other instruments. You know, a piano is all about that. You can get quiet and you can get loud and you know how long the note rings out, but it's not the same as with the guitar. The the sort of vibrato, the yeah. how hard you pick, you know, there's there's a lot you can do in terms of the tonality and expressiveness that is not inherent within the keyboard. Yeah. Um but things like the Roly Seaboard and now this, it's it's interesting to see how, yeah, people are trying to sort of get around this and what is the next step in in the way these instruments work. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's a new well, it's something that's definitely come on in the last few years. This whole kind of way of being able to interact with your instrument or mm. you know or, or your device to then be able to create sounds and trying to make it all about what's going on from your hands. Yeah, you know, not just oh you press button or you press key sound comes out. It's more like how you press it yeah. will determine how the sound comes out, which gives you, yeah, like when you're like recording or when you're writing music, you know, those little things obviously can just add up to make a song or a riff or whatever sound so different and also more personal because then mm. you, it's a bit more like, you know, your touch on something like that is going to be different to my touch and the way I play, you know, because different finger size, different kind of, you know, pressures I mean, and all that stuff. The Roly is slightly more inviting in a sort of tactile sense. It's yeah. something you sort of want to touch. Yeah. Whereas this sort of strange um, sort of gridded layer is, yeah. Who knows? We'll maybe see start seeing some, like, freaky new music coming from that. <laughs> um, yeah, come Okay, um... So I'm going to go back to bass. Go, go for it, go for back it. To, back to basics, back to bass. And Dingwall, who, along with Side Dark Glass, I seem to mention all the time, but Dingwall announced uh, the D-Bird 5-string, which is their... Their the D-Bird, the Dingwall D-Bird, is based on the Firebird from Gibson. Mm -hmm. And uh, last... was I think it was last year they released the 4-string D-Bird, which looks really really nice and this time they've released a five string version and it's got the extra pickups they've got the three pickup set and it also comes in this very snazzy gold uh and it looks absolutely amazing uh to play and i've seen videos and it's out it's got that you know dingwall kind of sound it looks absolutely it looks sexy you know um and th they 
they've based it on terms of like a sports car to give it the aesthetic you know it's got that dingwall kind of yeah typical no, vibe to it and then they also announced a bunch of new um uh combustion uh combustion um uh bass guitars which is like their basic model um so so when it comes to um so these are made in china but once they're made they get shipped all the way to canada they um ding will do a thorough like um you know quality assurance on a qa and test it all out and then put it all back together before it's sent out to you know retailers dealers and whatnot so with um the combustion um usually comes with uh unlike the ng which i've got which comes with the dark glass preamp mm. these usually come with um i think it's uh i think it's uh emg uh emg uh kind of tone capsule in there and um yeah it's got the, it's got the three pickups now just like the uh, ng3 has and they've got a load of new finishes as well so they, they look pretty cool yeah and, no that's a, a yeah. very sexy as well yeah so yeah that's that's well, of course you know yeah that was a no, good thing for me very nice all right this i think will be my last one uh let's go with okay so regular listeners will be aware that one of those um trends in music gear that i personally want no part of but does vaguely fascinate me is the whole um brand of you know not just signature gear not just uh gear that the artist does but when they go to those ridiculous levels of branding um and so the latest one is that Jimmy Page has revealed the Sun Dragon, which is a forensic clone of his Led Zeppelin one amp. And it's a sort of limited signed run of 50 to be followed by a full promotion run. And it's like the the sort of those the use of those phrases like forensic clone. It's as if this is sort of like CSI, yeah, so, yeah, like, CSI guitar. So absurdly close, and it's like just you know, Jimmy Page is going to sound more like Jimmy Page playing a squire through a ten watt stag than I am, or anybody listening to this is going to sound through this fucking forensic clone with whatever signature guitar, and it's just sort of like the levels that people go to. I mean, I do you think they? they we don't have a price point for this amp oh, yet, God. but let's. I think we can all safely assume that it's going to be a small mortgage. It's well, along alongside the amp, didn't weren't there a couple of guitars as well announced? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, but, a couple of Jimmy was, Page guitars as well. That was so, the nonsense that sort of jumped out at me. So, was, I mean, when they say forensic, like then what? They took his original one into the lab and then you know did like all kinds of I don't know. You you got some guy there sitting there like looking through a microscope, you know, trying to analyze like what. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, you know, I mean, that's what forensic means. It means like really. But, but like, even if they did do all that stuff, it's sort of like, you know, the the production tolerances on the amps at the time were way higher than anything they're yeah suggesting. You know, the fact that he sounded good through it is because he's a good guitarist. It's oh, yeah. it's not because it was a magic amp. <laughs> and and the idea that you can put it under a microscope 
and find, you know, the atomic formula for Led Zeppelin. It's nonsense. Like, this is not the core of music. Some, this some is... poor guy sitting there with his electron microscope trying to, like, check every single bit of the circuitry, yeah. you know, and it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy had good tone, but that's, it's not that profoundly sort of special that you, that this is going to make the difference for a guitarist. It's... <laughs> Silly. Yeah. All no, right. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's that's all the damn news that I've got. Have you got anything to else my, add? My, yeah, my last thing is um, it was good to see Gibson back at it NAMM. It was, yeah. Um, so last year they were at CES, which is like the, um, the, the tech expo in Las Vegas, which usually happens about, I think, two, three weeks before NAMM. It happens in Jan, uh, it happens like early Jan, and um, NAMM happens in Jan. And the thing is, it looked, yeah. The thing is, um, it was just good to have them back. It looks like they've got rid of their old CEO. They've got a new CEO, and they're going back to basics um, in terms of their range of guitars. And they're giving, I think, people what they want. So it's good just to have them back because Gibson are one of the biggest like yeah. players, you yeah. know. And it, it felt good. It felt like they were back home. And there was a confident return as well, wasn't it? Yeah. They, like, I, I sort of watched a couple of interviews with people from Gibson, and they all seemed like they felt. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and I think this is uh, they've gone back to what they know best, and I think that's the best direction for them. So yeah, I think that that was kind of an uh, extra bit of thing that I thought, yeah, it's good to see them back. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So that's our our post nam. Yeah, that is our post nam. So um, until the next podcast, where we'll I think we'll we'll make it like a, a news light one next time. Yeah, I think we we're, we're just we're going to just uh, chat about something totally random instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's our NAM roundup until the next one. See you later guys. Bye. Bye.